0: When sharing your faith with a Latter-day Saint, it helps to know what their church has taught on several basic topics. For this reason, Mormonism Research Ministry has provided its Crash Course Mormonism. Crash Course Mormonism includes concise articles highlighting what LDS leaders and church manuals have taught on issues that will probably come up in a typical conversation. You can find these informative articles at CrashCourseMormonism.com. That's CrashCourseMormonism.com.
1: misinterpret what Alma 1137 in the Book of Mormon has to say. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week we're looking at an article that is on the FairLatterdaySaints.org website. It's an article titled Mormonism and Christianity slash Grace and Works Impossible Gospel. The author of this article, and we have no idea who it is, is accusing us of misrepresenting the statements of LDS leaders as well as Mormon scripture to try and say that the restored gospel is really an impossible gospel. What's interesting, though, Eric, is it seems that in many of the arguments this person gives, he's actually making our case, and he's going to do it again under this section when it deals with Alma 1137 in the Book of Mormon. It comes under the subheading, We can be cleansed of our sins through Jesus Christ and thereby be capable of being saved. Critics interpret
2: Alma 1137 to mean that we cannot receive the grace of Jesus Christ so long as we are sinning. Since we are all sinners, according to their argument, this would mean that nobody can receive the grace of
1: Jesus Christ. Now, first of all, this is a straw man argument. We're not saying that at all. When this author says that we interpret Alma 1137 to mean that we cannot receive the grace of Jesus Christ so long as that we are sinning, no, we understand perfectly that in Mormonism, there is grace that is given to all members. That's this enabling power that enables the member to live the necessary commandments and to achieve true repentance by forsaking all their sins. It is only after they do that Then they get the grace that forgives them of their sins. And their own scripture seems to imply this when you look, for instance, at Doctrine and Covenants, section 1, verse 32. You repent of your sins, keep the commandments, then you're forgiven.
2: The author continues Critics misuse this text by misinterpreting the word saved to mean something it does not. Amulek taught that we cannot be saved or enter into God's kingdom in our sins. He then taught that we can be cleansed of our sins through Jesus Christ and thereby be capable of being saved or entering into God's kingdom.
1: Once again, the author makes our case. That's exactly what we say. Of course, the problem for the Latter-day Saint is, how do you get cleansed of your sins? This statement here, I don't know how that's a misuse of the text. When this person says it's misinterpreting the word saved— I don't think we're misinterpreting the word saved at all. This author spells it out the way we understand it.
2: The author continues This passage comes in the context of a debate that Amulek, a Nephite minister and companion of Alma, is having with a lawyer named Zizrom. Zizrom first tempts Amulek with money if Amulek will deny the existence of a supreme being. Amulek refuses, and Zizrom continues with various questions about God and his purpose with mankind. At one point in their discussion, Zizram asked the following question to Alma in Alma 11.34, and it says, And Zizram said again, Shall he save his people in their sins? And Amulek answered and said unto him, I say unto you, He shall not, for it is impossible for him to
1: deny his word. What is the word? Amulek makes it clear. He says, God will not save his people in their sins. In Alma 11.22, it says that Amulek cannot say anything that is contrary to the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I'm going to take that at face value and say, I agree with what he's saying in verse 34. But then this author goes on to cite 37, which is the verse that we often bring up when we're talking with Latter-day Saints, whether or not you should be saved from your sins or saved in your sins.
2: He writes, later in verse 37, Amulek makes it clear that he interprets Zizoram's question to be whether a person can enter into heaven if they are still burdened down by sin. Amulek equates saved with inherit the kingdom of heaven in this passage. So a person cannot be saved or enter into God's kingdom if they have not somehow been cleansed from their sins.
1: Eric, isn't that our argument? Isn't that the same argument that we present when we're talking with Latter-day Saints? that you cannot be saved if you're not cleansed from your sins. The question we are asking when we use Alma 1137 is, are you cleansed from your sins? Are you still in your sins? Are you still committing sins? Because if you're still committing sins, it would seem that you are in violation of Alma 1137— And as it says in verse 34, God's not going to save you in your sins. That's the point. So while this individual who writes this anonymous article thinks that he's really shutting down our arguments, he's making our arguments for us because these are the same arguments that we use on the street. Then he gets to verse 37.
2: It says, And I say unto you again that he cannot save them in their sins, for I cannot deny his word, and he has said that no unclean thing can inherit the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, how can ye be saved, except ye inherit the kingdom of heaven? Therefore, ye cannot be
1: saved in your sins. You cannot be saved in your sins. This works well, folks, when you're talking with the Latter-day Saint, and you find that they are admitting that, like us— they struggle with sin as well. Well, if we're all struggling with sin, are we not in our sins? Now, the difference, of course, is how does a Latter-day Saint get out from underneath that burden of sin, as opposed to what we believe as New Testament Christians? Therein lies a huge difference— The only way they get out from underneath that burden of sin is by following the formula of Doctrine and Covenants, section 1, verse 32. Repent of your sins, keep the commandments, then you're forgiven. And you hear Latter-day Saints all the time saying, well, you can't be saved in your sins. You have to be saved from your sins. Exactly. That's the question we're trying to lead them to. How do you get saved from your sins? Well, as we've brought out so far in this series, it's by overcoming your sins, repenting of them, never to repeat them again. That's how it's understood in an LDS context. But then this author says that critics such as ourselves misinterpret the word saved in this passage by reading it through their fundamentalistic Protestant lenses? Really? I thought we were going by what LDS leaders have said about this passage. This author says they assume that saved refers to the cleansing act of Christ's atonement. Well, what else would it be in that context? It seems like that's exactly what Amulek was talking about when Zeezrom tries to trick him into saying, well, do you believe that God will save you in your sins? What do you think the word saved meant to Zeezrom in that context? What do you think it meant to Amulek? It obviously did not have this multiple definitions that modern Latter-day Saints have for it, because this idea that saved can mean general resurrection and saved can mean exaltation in the Celestial Kingdom is not a concept that's taught in the Book of Mormon. That's a concept that's taught now, but we don't find it in the Book of Mormon. So to assume that maybe Amulek wasn't talking about the effects of the Atonement of Christ is to read something in the passage that just isn't there.
2: The author keeps going and says, But that is not what the term saved means in Alma 11.37, as Amulek makes clear. Amulek has in mind the entering into God's kingdom. Nobody can enter into God's kingdom if they are burdened by the effects of sin. Something must be done in order to remove that taint. Amulek explains how in verse 40. And this is what verse 40 says and he shall come into the world to redeem his people, and he shall take upon him the transgressions to those who believe on his name, and there are they that shall have eternal life, and salvation cometh to none else. Now, Bill, I think what you just said previously to me reading this is exactly right, because in the context of the Book of Mormon, there's heaven and there's hell, but there's not a celestial kingdom, there's not exaltation. And so I think very clearly... As confused, perhaps, as Joseph Smith was in 1830 when this book was published, it seems very clearly that this is in connection with what the Bible teaches. There's salvation in no one else except for Jesus, it says in the book of Acts.
1: Well, I think what's almost comical in the accusation that this author is making against us is, I agree with what he's saying in these paragraphs. Right. I think Amulek has in mind the entering into God's kingdom. Nobody can enter into God's kingdom if they are burdened by the effects of sin. I agree totally with that, even within the context of Mormonism. But when he cites verse 40, as if this is the gospel, try this when you're talking with your Latter-day Saint friend. Tell him that you believe that Christ shall come into the world to redeem his people, and he shall take upon him the transgressions of those who believe on his name and these are they that shall have eternal life. Tell your Latter-day Saint friend, I believe in Jesus' name, and I believe that I'm going to have eternal life. Doesn't that sound like you believe that you're justified by faith alone in what Christ did? Certainly. Ask the Latter-day Saint if he agrees with you that that's all you need to do is believe on his name, and you shall have eternal life. I will guarantee you, if that's what you say, the Latter-day Saint will say, you are wrong. There is more to it than that.
2: At the very least, they're going to be confused with what you're trying to say. And if you're trying to say, well, that's something that Mormonism teaches, even though this is found in the Book of Mormon, that certainly is opposite of the leaders that we were citing yesterday and so many other citations we could provide.
1: Well, then at the very end of this section, the author says to enter into God's kingdom or eternal life, one must first be cleansed of transgression by believing on the name of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel of the LDS Church. Oh, really? So I don't have to go to the temple? I don't have to pay a tithe? I don't have to be married for time and eternity? I don't have to keep all the commandments? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ? That is not the restored gospel as they understand it. So this author is actually misleading his readers into thinking that what he believes is really somewhat similar to what we as evangelical Protestants believe. See, we're not looking at this through our fundamentalist Protestant lenses as we're being accused, we're merely going by what their leaders have said. What did Theodore F. Burton have to say about Alma 1137?
2: He said, Exaltation comes as a gift from God dependent upon my obedience to God's law. No works I do solely of my own power can bring this to pass. Only by the grace of God has this course been open to me, but only through obedience to the laws of God can I claim my inheritance in the celestial kingdom of my Heavenly Father as a son within his family. I cannot be exalted in my sins, but must work until I overcome them. And that comes from the Inside Magazine, July 1972, pages 78 and 79.
1: I cannot be exalted in my sins, Burton said. He must overcome them. That's the challenge that we have been giving to Latter-day Saints for years. And I don't think this author is really refuting the point that we are trying to make.